Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week 5, day 2 of our study of 2 Corinthians. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about 2 Corinthians 6, 14-18. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you and encounter you in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. we we'll be reading today from the NIV. This is 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and with idols? So Paul is, is I don't know what to call it here. I don't want to say a rant, but uh, he's, he's shifting just a little bit, right? And all of this is kind of in the context, we're going to see, that you know, there's these super apostles out there, these guys that have come in and have claimed to be something far greater than what I am. And, and he's encouraging them. And, and this is one of those things where it is true on, on multiple different levels. It's true on a personal level and it's true in a corporate level. He's telling them corporately, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't... Don't hitch your wagon to these gurus, these absolutely non-Christian gurus. But in the same way, right, don't be yoked together with unbelievers in your personal life, right? Don't, don't, um, you, you don't want to, to, to be so involved. And, and this is where things get, you know, get quite difficult. And people would say, well, should I not? You know, should I not work for unbelievers? Should I not work for a company that's not, you know, Christian based? I don't think that's what Paul's saying here. I really don't think that's what he's saying. But this definitely extends, and Paul even talks about this in other places about being, you know, married to unbelievers. Like, don't seek out non Christians to be married to. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And and you know, if you're going to do business dealings with people. Um, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to, to actively be seeking out non-believers if you can be doing those things with believers. Sometimes that's not possible, right? And and again, there's there's uh, there, there's different ways to apply this. Specifically in in this instance, he's he's more broadly talking about the the church as a whole and these kind of people they've let in. I think it's interesting that this this word here that he uses, Belial, I find that very interesting because it's not really used anywhere else. He's talking about Satan. The word, I believe, literally means worthlessness. What is there, what harmonies are between Christ and worthlessness, but the the implication, the the meaning of the word is, is Satan, right? What what harmonies are between Christ and Satan? He's that all of these compare and contrast or he's he's juxtaposing two things against each other in all of these instances you know light darkness christ satan um you know a believer and unbeliever um the the temple of god and the temple of idols all of these things he's like there's there's nothing that we have that comes together right there's this movement nowadays and i think this is a really good application of this 
is there's a lot of, uh, and I want to say quote unquote Christians that want to have these ecumenical services and ecumenical things. And, and, and when I think of ecumenical, what I mean is different denominations, all who believe in Jesus come together. I think that's a good thing. If that's what ecumenical means to you, that's that's a really great thing where believers of all different stripes and colors come together. But very often today, what is meant by ecumenical is, hey, let's get the Christian leaders and the Muslim leaders and the you know the Buddhist leaders and the Hindu leaders, let's get them all together and and find where we agree on things and let's let's live out of that. Right. And Paul is saying, no, there is no agreement between light and darkness. There is no light in these other world religions. There's none. And so we shouldn't be trying to find this common ground with them. We should be trying to convince them of the grace that God is extending to them today, right now. Convince them that this is their day to receive that grace. Let's continue on. This is verse 16. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. <clears throat> there was a song several years ago and I, um, I can't remember the artist now, but the, the, the song is called what if God was one of us? And the, the implication is like, what if he was just all is broken and all this kind of stuff is the, all of the rest of us. What if he was like that? But this the song, there's this longing to have this intimacy, to know that like God could be like me and that God could care, right? The the way that the song plays out, it's not it's 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 not a theological masterpiece, I'll say that. But uh, it wasn't it's not a Christian song. Um but but the implication is and the longing in the song is what if I could know that God was was close enough to me, if he was enough like me that he cared about me, that he was there, that he was someone that I could know. And again, it's not a theological masterpiece in explaining about that, but I believe that's kind of the heart behind it. And God has said, I will live with them. I will be among, I will be one of you, right? This prophecy that he's, he's reading from the old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He did become one of us. He will live with us and walk amongst us. He did that. And he's yet going to do that again in the future. We will live on earth, right? Most people, their their thinking is that we're going to go to heaven and spend eternity with God in heaven. And the Bible never says that. Revelation makes this explicitly clear that where we will exist for eternity is on earth. God is going to come and make his home on earth for all eternity, God is going to live with us. He's coming to this place to rule and reign that he created for all eternity. So yes, he will live with us. He will walk amongst us and he will be our God and, and, and we will be his people here on earth. Verse 17, therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, again, this is a challenging thing, right? Where do you draw the line between where you apply apply this? Some people would say, well, that means I can't work for a company that doesn't consider itself Christian. I don't necessarily think that that's 
what it's saying. Now, I would say that if you've got the opportunity to work for a, a company that does say that it's Christian and shares your values and you explicitly choose to go to work for the company that shares the opposite of your values and hates Christians. I mean, they're out there, right? They're out there um, for the same money or more money or whatever it is. If you, if you, if you make that choice just based on those things, then I think you've made a foolish decision. I think Paul would say you've made a foolish decision when there's those options, but that's not always the options we're, we're faced with. Right? So I don't know that this necessarily, like you have to be careful how you apply this. But I think it should definitely be on the forefront of of your mind. It's like, Lord, is this where you want me? Is this where you would have me? Is this going to be? I mean, sometimes like where you work or where you where you go to church, where you the people that you're involved in, the social spheres you're in, they really can have this negative effect on us. They will drag us down. Paul says, you know, don't kid yourself, right? Bad company always corrupts good morals. You can't, you can't fight that. You can't win that battle. You will always get drugged down. It's, it's the, you know, the, the thing that people do where they, you know, say, Hey, someone stands up on a, on a chair, right? And he's like, take two people, one standing on the ground, one on the chair and they, they lock arms and it's like, okay, pull. Well, what happens? Does the person on the chair pull the person up or does the person pull the person down? And of course, right? The, the physics of it, the person on the ground pulls the person off the chair. It's much easier to pull someone down. And so what the Lord is saying, what Paul is encouraging them in, in their case specifically, he's in, in some ways saying these, these fake gurus, get them out of your midst. They're, they're not helpful for you. But this is, again, more broadly applicable. We should think about this in terms of how we live our lives. Now, one of the ways that I think people inappropriately apply this is that it's like we should insulate our, ourselves and live lives such that we never really come into contact with unbelievers. And this is becoming exceedingly more and more the case nowadays, our our society has become so polarized because of social media and just the political narratives that traditional media push and, and social media push that, that we become so siloed and polarized that it's not just Christians. Almost nobody wants to hang out with or get to know people that think differently than them. Right. And, it, and it's so tribal. And that's not what Paul's saying either here. Remember, I mean, Paul is the one going out amongst all the Gentiles and the pagans and sharing the good news with them. He's not saying like, don't be around them. Don't talk to them. Don't do business with them. Don't, that's not what he's saying, right? He's saying like, don't allow them such an intimacy in your life that they're going to drag you down. It's time to leave that and, and un untether yourself from those people and, and from the, the, the mindset that they embody, which is the mindset of, of sin and Satan and, and darkness, right? We don't want to be tethered to those things, but it doesn't mean that we abandon those people. No, we want to snatch those people out of the fire. We want to live by Paul's example here. And so again, I've, I've seen people take this and it can be again, broadly applied, but I've seen people take it. And, and, and in my opinion, 
apply it in ways that are not helpful to the furtherance of the gospel or, or, or in so many ways. So we always need to submit these kinds of things to the Holy Spirit and understand how do we walk these things out for ourselves. But for sure, you know, if if we're not asking ourselves those questions, is this the place that I should be, Lord? Should I untether myself from this? Should I not be yoked together with unbelievers in this way? Right? It's never wrong to ask that question. We should always be asking the Lord those questions about the, the spheres that we're in. And my hunch is that sometimes the Lord will say, yeah, I don't want you there. But a lot of times the Lord will say, no, actually, I've got you. I've got you here for a purpose. I've got you here for a reason. I don't want you to leave this right now. Maybe, maybe later you might not be there forever, but I've got a purpose for you right now. Right. And that's one of these conversations, ongoing conversation we need to be having with the Lord. That's where the scripture that we, that we put in our heart, it should always be creating a dialogue with the Lord. Scripture should not be just a monologue of God to us. It should be the dialogue where we're talking back to him. And, and one of the, the fascinating things I love about reading God's word so much over and over and over again is the more we get it in us, the more just out of second nature by accident, we find ourselves asking God, what do you mean by this? Should I, should I be here? Should I be doing this right? We, we, you, you apply it on accident and you ask the Lord, what do you mean by this? It becomes that dialogue. The more you fill your heart and your mind with God's word, the more it becomes a dialogue without even having to try. We should definitely try to pray, but you fill your mind with God's word and you'll pray on accident. You'll talk to him on accident about it. And that's what we want. We want this to be a dialogue with the Holy Spirit. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.